good afternoon, the commute listeners, mostly Mike Zeke. We're gonna turn off gonna turn off the air conditioning because today is a very special episode of the commute where I look like a huge douchebag in front of my coworkers because I'm putting the top down on my convertible. Here we go. It does sound really good and it feels really good. It's 80 degrees outside is why this is happening. Oh yeah, that's the roof. That's the roof coming off. And that's the sunshine coming in. So what we're gonna do is pull out of my work parking lot and then try to, uh, ding, top fully down. So I'm also gonna put the windows down. I'm gonna throw it in reverse and away we go. sleeves. We can do that when I'm stopped at the stoplight. So let's make sure we're not hitting anything. Again, I am a terrible driver. There's a dude sitting here. Getting stuff out of his car. And away we go. So like I said, it's a very special episode of the podcast, which we're going to be calling uh, Yelling Above the Noise. Screaming Above the Noise? <clears throat> Mike had a clever name for it, but basically... This is what podcasting is. You're trying to separate yourself from the noise and trying to get yourself heard. And what's gonna be interesting is on the highway, it's gonna be completely unhearable. Just a friggin' mess. Thank you, sir. Um, in the meantime, I have one more stoplight. I guess I should say one stoplight before I get on the highway. And I'll be able to really just scream at the top of my lungs and you still won't be able to hear me. But I think some interesting topics for today. I was reading about, uh, more about messaging bots and how Facebook's taking over everything. And I don't know, I was just discussing with a coworker, I wonder if eventually Facebook will have to recognize, be recognized as a monopoly and get split up into uh, different subsections because there was an interesting internal Facebook poll about things to be discussed. And someone said, do we have to act to prevent a Donald Trump presidency. And there was a different New York Times article talking about how the algorithm is an editor. You can't claim that there's a free and open media if there's an algorithm deciding what people see and if that algorithm is tweaked by humans. And I think a lot of Facebook employees are saying, well, we could use our powers for ostensibly good and make sure that all the bad news about Donald Trump gets pressed and all the good news doesn't. And, you know, that is an incredibly slippery slope. And I don't think that's really what they're trying to suggest. They're trying to bring up the conversation of if this would be bad for America, where millions and millions of our users exist, is there something we can or should or could do? And uh, it's scary because the answer is pretty clearly yes. There's a lot they could do. I mean... There are often Facebook ads, but I actually don't know if they do like a backfill, if they could sell themselves a seriously don't forget to vote against Trump ad. Uh, and more importantly, with all the big data Facebook has access to, would they be able to A-B test all sorts of ads against Trump and see what's actually effective? 
that's almost more valuable than advertising itself because there's a different study saying the vitriol and attacks against Trump just make his opponents think, yeah, look at how the lamestream media is attacking him. So you wonder if uh, you don't want to fight against that. You want to exploit the data and information to really win. I'm still at the stoplight, so uh, this noise is only going to get worse. And I actually have a meeting. Uh, my family's in town, so I really shouldn't lose too much of my voice, but we'll see how this goes. I also finished my refreshing Coca-Cola earlier. Coca-Cola sales are down for like the fourth straight year. And I get it as people try to be healthier, but, and even missing projections. I assume that as more humans exist, more Coca-Cola gets consumed. But factoring that in, I mean, maybe that's not a huge rate of inflation. Yes, it is. I, I should look at the inflation rate of humanity and compare it to the inflation rate of the GDP. Because if it's not far beyond that, that seems silly. I wonder, you have to assume people are consuming more. Okay, here we go. But I like Coca-Cola, it's delicious. Uh, but it's interesting to me that such a quality and known product doesn't get... Oh boy, oh boy, I'm gonna lose this receipt. Let's crumple this up, toss it under my seat so I don't litter along the highway. Here we go, top down, windows up. Wait, that's not what we're doing. So this, oh, that, there, there went some sort of receipt. That's okay, didn't need it, it's gone forever. Such a bad idea for a podcast. I bet you can't hear any of what I'm saying. Oh, and that's some more paper in my windshield. It's okay, it's just a, a straw wrapper, I think. Are there gonna be any text messages or something? Uh, change of plans. I forgot that there's a lot of construction on this room. And we're back in the standstill. So. But it's interesting to think that over-the-air televisions and signals and antennas reach so many millions of people, and Facebook in America might actually reach more people because you have access to these devices. Now the question is, it's not public airwaves anymore. That's not the argument of why the FCC has control over it and all these rules apply to broadcasters using public airwaves, but you are using public internet now there's private on-ramps to that, but I wonder if the government moved towards making it free or where governments exist, like the free experiment Facebook did in India where you can access Facebook for free, if you would then have to, oh, I'm a jerk. You would then have to qualify it as a free public good, which is then subject to the standard rules of the public that the government sets. And if not, you'd almost need to make a case of why not. Either way, it is a legal issue that will arise eventually. Uh, boy, I sure hope I can exit here because this is real slow for my usual commute. Um, and Facebook, it's, it goes from the free India Facebook the whole way up to virtual reality. It's planting a flag in virtual space before you've even established there, and all sorts of flags in meat space. And I'm honestly shocked there hasn't been more Google announcements lately. I wonder, I guess all of Alphabet spun off. I guess there is a huge push towards further intelligence and they hired Ray Kurzweil and all that stuff. 
but it just seems like Google has not been in the news lately. I wonder if they're focusing more on hardware because that's where the money is, but that seems like a short-term proposition unless they're doubling down. I was reading some, the theoretical basis of it is to get a, the theoretical limit of processing power to equal a human brain power is smaller than a grain of sand, significantly smaller. Trillions of human brains could fit onto uh, a grain of sand that you would then implant in your brain. Actually, I think it might have been a grain of rice, which is significantly bigger, but the point stands that you could fit a grain of sand inside your brain, which can do as much computing. So they talk about this transferring your consciousness to a digital platform, a digital stratum? What's the word I'm looking for? Phosphate? Um, I'm hungry. I think I'm not thinking clearly. I also didn't have any coffee today because my loving wife is out of town and I didn't make a pot. But uh, the question about uh, digital strat uh, stratum, a digital platform where you can hold your brain, which I think is super useful and less sci-fi than it used to be, where so much of my memory is in emails and phones and the cloud that if I need to remember something, I don't make a mental note of it because I know I can access that digital copy of it later. Which is interesting, I'm so willing to give up so much of that, and I wonder if Facebook is looking for the social aspects of that. I don't need to remember where I met this person because if you filled out your Facebook correctly, it will tell you. And looking at friend groups, I honestly do a little of that already, trying to remember how you know a person. Because how you know someone sort of dictates who you are around them. Because you're, never, you're not the same person. I think this is a bigger problem with Facebook long term. And Google tried to get around this with circles, but circles are a very limiting way for a very fluid expression of social groups where I can be far more open and jovial with certain co-workers or all, all of my friends as opposed to my boss or my parents. And that might change with my parents or boss after a few drinks or with my parents after a certain age or, you know, it's a very fluid social graph. And I think trying to replicate that even in something as fluid as electrons and bits is going to be a lot harder than most social engineers realize. And I don't know really what you gain from that except for hyper-targeted advertising. If you can get a friend who recommends Pepsi to you, that is a very strong recommendation coming phrased in a way that your friend would phrase it. told to produce as many nails as possible. So true to form, they produced thousands and thousands of tiny unusable nails because they had told go for number. And then when they were told, okay, make the number, we're gonna measure your nail production and output, they started making giant unusable nails because, you know, that was the biggest return on investment. You measure for a specific thing, 
do. And finding out what to optimize for concerns me a lot in a capitalistic system where there's a lot of talk about GDP and I, uh, what's the Asian country, not Burundi, but Bhutan, I think, now measures its national happiness. And again, that's a very hard thing to quantify, but at least they're admitting that maybe the most important thing to our culture isn't simply our revenues, but our experience as human beings. And then it becomes, well, if you can quantify that, how do we up the experience of human beings? And SMBC, Saturday morning breakfast cereal. The lady next to me thinks I'm talking to myself, but I am talking to myself, and just other people will listen to it later. Saturday morning breakfast cereal is often very good with this, of uh, taking these thought experiments to their logical extremes and saying, okay, well, if it's about providing happiness to people, let's say that someone is just really good at being happy, so provide more and more things to people who appreciate them, at the detriment of others, because if you're just trying to optimize for happiness, that is what you will get in the end. So what do you optimize for? How do you phrase a question? And to artificial intelligence, how do you phrase the question? Uh, Eliezer Yudkowsky, one of my favorite artificial intelligence philosophers, thinkers, practitioners, uh, has this theory concept of coherent extrapolated volition where what you want an artificial intelligence to do is take your coherent thoughts extrapolate out what you really want and what what you of your free will of your volition would want so it's uh, the problem there is it requires a lot of modeling of what you wouldn't want and what you mean and what you really think you mean and to what extent you mean that you want those things now in this present society. And I think Eliezer, Eliezer, Eliezer hopes that quantum computing solves a lot of this where you can simulate a lot of different strands of thought but more long-term universes to see like okay well is this the situation where that person is happy and then it becomes okay well if there are all these infinite quantum universes trying to calculate the coherent extrapolated volition of if humanity survives long enough practically infinite uh, sentient beings are we simply in one of those sentient universes one of those coherent extrapolated volition universes trying to determine the answer to a question someone asked about a present or past or possibly even future if Tesla got a AI machine working at some point. But the point is how does it all tie together? And what are we trying to solve? And are we trying are we as a universe trying to solve for something that someone else is asking for an answer to? And how to be nice to each other? And does it come down to something as simple as be excellent to each other and don't overthink it? There's this, there's this beauty to people like Bill and Ted and to a certain extent Jason Silva, who I'm not a huge fan of, but just explaining that, hey man, life is beautiful and you got to get out and enjoy it. If you don't look around every once in a while, you'll miss it. I don't think people would call Ferris Bueller one of the greatest minds of our generation, but I do think that... Uh, his appreciation for what you can accomplish in a single day is unparalleled. Obviously fictional, but there's truth in stories. There's uh, value in storytelling. In fact, humans deal in storytelling. My old boss many moons ago gave lectures on 
how humans communicate through story. He's actually the guy who wrote uh, Earth Girls Are Easy, and his name was Terence McNally, and he had a whole blog and speaking empire built upon the fact that humans communicate through stories, and that's how you understand and accumulate information. And from there, oh, this is sad. What are these cops doing here? A little accident? Oh, I think everyone's okay. Just a little fender bender. So, what are we trying to solve for at the end of the day? And I think so many people get caught up in money and then look back and see how happy some people are with no, no money. Just like a hammock and a cheeseburger enjoying the sunshine. I don't know. I almost want to interview people living that lifestyle down in the Florida Keys or something. Because I, for fun, just reading um, Nicomachean Ethics, Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics, and there's a lot of stuff that has been accepted by humans for 2,000 years of the virtue of virtue and humility and liberalism and charity and hard work and temperance and all these things that go far beyond simple happiness. And I think it might be a symptom of our quick fix culture that we just want one answer to the question of what is the good life. But I find it fascinating that more people don't spend more time outwardly asking what is the right thing to do. I minored in uh, applied ethics. It was a philosophy minor. And it's it seems like it would be a more vital question to humans, what is the right thing to do at this time? And that's all ethics is, is asking. What is the ethical thing to do, the right thing to do, in a certain light, in a certain context? And it's fascinating that... Are you crossing? No. Uh, ethical and right and next, efficacious, are becoming more intertwined. It's one of the things I love about capitalism is because humanity's survival is now built into GDP, greed is good where you can build an empire and employ people and yay, everybody's happy. So what are we trying to solve for? What do we want to call this podcast? What's the point of it all? What's the point of any of this? Wheat, as I've said before. So it goes. I'm going to walk tonight, so I'm going to pull into my driveway right now and put the top back on my car. I hope you got to hear some of that, and if not, uh, we will catch you next time on the commute. Thanks for listening. Peace. I don't know, I don't know about the peace thing, man. It's such a ripoff of MKBHD, but I do love them. Uh, okay, peace.